Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome to another episode of the Sword and Shield. Uh, this is Chief Master Sergeant Chris Howard, and today with me, Colonel Rick Erich, 960 Cyberspace Wing Commander. Awesome, hey, sir. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. Uh, a lot of things are coming up, right? We're in a new year, um, but uh, we also have a lot of open positions that uh, we're about to hire for. And I just wanted to pick your brain on uh, some of those processes and what what we what are we thinking about when uh, we're doing the interviews and. Um, as far as the team goes, right? So what are, what kind of uh, skill sets are we looking for and what, what things do we take into uh, consideration? Yeah, it's a great question, Chief. And uh, it's great to be back um, having another episode here. So this is a lot of fun. I think uh, it seems to me like we hire in waves. I don't know if it's because we just pull more energy at certain times to put everything together, but it seems like we hire in chunks of waves and then we get some stability and then um, people move on for development purposes and it's time for us to fill stuff again. Um, so I kind of feel like, yeah, we're in another one of those wave times. Yeah. And 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 in the reserve, and I talk a lot about this, um, it's a coalition willing to move. One, right. right? Yes. And so we don't require people to move. We're not like AFPC. I think that's one of the flexibilities and the, and the beauties of being a reservist is having some more control over your life and career. And, and certainly that's one of the reasons why I got off um, regular Air Force uh, tours so that I have some control um, when, when, you know, starting my young family. And so what I think about first and foremost is team fit, um, person's attitude, their character. Do they fit in? Uh, that's really important to me. Right. And, and and I think that goes back to my experience as uh, as an athlete and growing up in high school and and all the I look back now at all the successful sports teams I was on and I don't remember wins and losses. You know, I remember what was that team like from a locker room perspective, so, so to speak, of chemistry. And um, did we get along? Did we have good bonds? And and the teams that were successful were teams that have I've got great memories from. Right. No, I I think that you know looking back myself, uh, it the teams that were the most successful didn't always have um, the most successful individuals. Right. Um, we had a lot of talent. Um, we had a lot of experience at, at times. Um, we had um, a lot of different backgrounds that all came together to, to make that happen. It's not that we had um, a room full of superstars. Right. Uh, it's not like um, I guess I think back to, you know, 90s Olympics where the dream team was built uh, to play basketball, where you had all these great individuals that, that came together. We just had a group of individuals that um, were able to find their niche within the team. Uh, and then provide that experience and provide that knowledge and then kept everybody on their toes, right? We always held each other accountable for our piece um, and helped each other out. Uh, I can speak of different missions where that was very successful. Uh, I know that when I'm looking at it from an interview perspective, I'm looking at um, what does this team need? So what kind of uh, characteristics they're looking for? Um, and then uh, how is that going to mesh well, as well as uh, making sure that they have the right ba- uh, right experience and uh, they qualify for the position, right? 
Yeah, and I think what I look to for people, and not only do you look at, you know, sometimes you have a tendency to focus on somebody's weaknesses and why somebody shouldn't be part of the team. Right. But sometimes maybe you need just to flip that and look at what are somebody's strengths and maybe your team doesn't have that particular skill set or strength that that person would fit really neatly into and just right. maybe fill that gap for the team and and build out and and make that team well-rounded. And, and, and so the, uh, you know, my experience as an athlete has translated, I think, into my military career as well. And when I look back at the teams that, um, that I enjoyed working with and we were successful and, um, you know, specifically deployment teams, I think that, you know, that bond you get with people after you, after you embrace the suck and uh, for a long time, um, I think, you know, really strong relationships there. I'm still really good friends with, you know, my two commanders during one deployment, um, that I spent a lot, a lot of time with. I was deputy for both of them. They were regaf guys that had been there for a year and were on a year tour each. So I got half of each of their tour as a deputy. Um, and then we didn't really have much in common. They're pilots, you know, before, but after the deployment, you know, we're still good friends and, and contact each other regularly. Now we, you know, we, we text and talk more than people, most people know. So, um, right. And then just kind of going back to deployment experiences, right. It, it was, it always seems like it was key that, uh, we all found a way to kind of work together. Um, what's your perspective on, um, the importance of, of a team, uh, when it comes to a mission? You know, I, I think I'm drawn to the military because of the team aspect. I really enjoy being part of a team. I enjoy what I bring to that part of the team. And and so I think um, it's really important, you know, when we look to hire people and create a team atmosphere. Um, you know, we talk a lot of, you know, we, we use the term airmen a lot. And and I think in the broader sense, that can that can mean a team as well, right. a group of airmen. Um, and so we don't talk about, we try not to talk about individuals. And it, it's important building that team um, to meet that particular mission and then you know, a squadron is a team of teams. Yes. And, and then a squadron, you know, squadrons are teams of group and then groups equal. I mean, there's a reason why we build this construct yes. from a war fighting machine because it works. And even when you look at the, the flyers and let's, let's take the fighter pilots, right. They fly in teams, right. We don't send people out individually to do things. We send them out as a group um, right. for, for more sensors and eyes and ears and helps the team be more successful. No, I agree. And I think that's one of the, the great things about wearing a uniform, right? Um, we can look at the greater scope of all the different uniforms when we talk about our sister services. Uh, but specifically as an airman, um, you know, I always get drawn back to a speech that Simon Sinek uh, brings up, you know, and he, he tells the story. I think we've heard it in TED Talks from the individual themselves um, about um, some of the camaraderie. And it always comes down to because they would do it for me, right? And I think that that's always uh, one of the great parts about wearing a uniform is that uh, using the, the terminology that uh, you, you said, uh, embracing the suck, right? The fact that we have all had to embrace the suck or in those moments where we're embracing the same suck or, you know, spilling blood in the same mud type of stuff uh, tends to, to definitely draw you closer and know that that individual has your back. And I think that that's what leads us to having some of those strongest teams. Um especially when we talk about the small tactical teams and then working our way up to the unit. And uh, that makes me start to think about unit cohesion. Uh, what, what are you, what are your thoughts about the, the importance of unit cohesion? Yeah. So I think, um, 
when you think about it from the big perspective of experiencing common things, right. um, build stronger bonds between individual people and then into a team. And it's really about trust. Right. And yes. so I, I think when you spend time embracing the suck with somebody, you're getting to, to know them and trust them and understand them and, and building that into a bigger um, trust factor to a unit level is extremely important um, because, you know, our, uh, we're, we're asking people to do things that the rest of the population doesn't get asked to do. Right. And so you have to have trust that not only to take care of me and my family, but I have to trust you that you got my back, that if things get bad and suck, that you're going to pick me up and carry me somewhere or that um, you're always looking out for me or you're going to push me when I need to be pushed or, you know, knowing something's not quite right and you're there for me. And um, so it's really all about trust. I know, um, you know, we talk, we talk a lot about a lot of buzzwords and stuff, but in the end it comes down that the unit that are the most cohesive really just have a foundation of trust. Agreed. I think the trust is the cornerstone or the, you know, the, the key to all of these pieces, right? So if, if you don't trust an individual, um, then you're not going to be able to uh, work with them necessarily, right? You find ways around it, but uh, with a lack of trust that just erodes the team as a whole, then it starts to break down unit cohesion. Um, you know, if you don't trust in your leadership, are you willing to fail forward as we've been challenged in the past? Um, are we willing to accelerate that change? Are we just accepting those losses uh, without that cornerstone of trust? Yeah. So in order to accelerate, right, you said you, you, we have to trust that we're going to give you the space to make mistakes. Right. And that's at least in my career, I've seen a massive shift. Like when I first came into lieutenant, it was like we were not aggressive. We were not assertive. It was about safety, safety, safety. Right. And now we've moved to this point where um, – there's some things that we're going to do that are going to maybe break some things. We don't want to break people, right? but we do want to break glass and processes and the way people think and, and give space to do that. There's plenty of science out there that, that proves that um, giving people space to use their ideas and to fail fast really gets us to the end much faster. Right. No, I, I, I do look back. I remember being in an environment where, um, you know, early years, right? So more of my vet at staff and tech surgeon timeframe in my career was uh, risk adverse, very risk adverse, zero defect. Um, I was in a mission set where um, I had leadership that came down and said, you're not allowed to make a mistake. We don't have the space for you to make a mistake. Um, and that includes in training. So even in the training environment, you could not fail. I cannot fail forward. You cannot fail at all. Failure means mission overdone. Um, now there was some, some, some things there that, that, that held us there, right? Uh, implications of what we were doing at the time um, and the mission set that we were in that was uh, highly sensitive. So you could understand where they're coming from. Um, but um, looking at it from an individual in that team, the team at that point became very stressed. Um, the team started to really pull on each other. Now, we, we embraced the suck and some, some of us were able to uh, work together uh, and have smaller teams that uh, were very successful. But as a unit, you could start to really see the cracks in the foundation when we realized that they didn't trust us. Yeah. And so, you know, th those fractures really cause problem for unit cohesion. Um, and then it can lead to many other factors that kind of crop up. And then you can get distracted and chase a rabbit down when really the problem was maybe just 
the basic trust of, of giving you space to, to make mistakes. And um, I've seen a shift in my career that, that we're more willing to do that. And, and frankly, because I think uh, we've, we forced ourselves to it, we put ourselves in a position structure wise, you know, that we don't have the, the force structure in order to, um, um, to rely on other organizations to do a lot of, maybe a lot of testing and development and, um, of course, American people in the time and our adversaries get a vote too. Yes. So, so <laughs> whether we, we like to, it or not, <laughs> right. We need to iterate as fast as we can in order to keep up with them. And we've lost, you know, our technology advantage with our adversaries. And so this is, this is the approach that we're going to do. We're going to try to accelerate. And then with that, you know, our leaders have to be comfortable in pushing that trust forward. And, and you need to talk about it. Right. You just right. can't say I trust you. And then your behavior does something else. It proves that I don't trust you. You have to trust. And I think we got to be deliberate about it. We have to talk about it and say, when we say I trust you, that's a lot like telling somebody you love them. Like, you right. know what that means. Right. You yes. kind of everybody. There's a common understanding there. But if I say I trust you to go do it and then you go do it and I say, why would you do that? Or that was dumb. Like it defeats all purpose. And it's it's way harder um, to build the trust than it is to lose it. Oh, yeah. It, it's just uh, one misstep and trust can be eroded, broken or lost. Um, you know, and I think that uh, you had a really good point there, sir, with um, uh, what do our actions say? It's easy to throw words at pe people, right? I trust you. I like you. I, I believe in you. Um, but then if uh, I'm constantly in your business, right, or if uh, um, comes to find out that I'm I'm not showing you that kind of trust, whether it's following up. Doesn't mean that you don't trust them, right? You have to have that conversation. You got to build it to that. Uh, here's the trust. Here's the lanes, and then go forth and conquer, and then show them as much, right? Yeah, I think my my approach over the years has been to um, not talk about it. I'm not super comfortable with being really eloquent communicating, but I've used behaviors to build trust, and I think. Um, and I learned that throughout the years. It's not been necessarily something that I thought about. I'm just going to go do. I think I learned that by watching right. people, um, especially as lieutenant. I was in a very small detachment. You know, I was the one support officer. I worked for a bunch of ten pilots that were flying 75 percent of the time. And um, by default, I was the guy that had to do a lot of the work, um, a lot of the technical work. Um, they would be the SMEs and, and provide input. And then I had to do a lot of documentation. So they trusted me and I learned quickly who was more interested in what I was doing and who had gave me more trust than others. Right. Right. Um, and I think it helped me learn where to take risk because they each looked at me and provided me input a little differently. Um, and it came down to one major I worked for and uh, he would he would trust me and say um, he would he would spend his time wisely with me and and focus on the things that were really important to life and safety. Um, and then the other things were like, um, he gave me more trust and then I could learn, um, with other people and kind of build that capability and it really helped me understand to think about where I need to go ask for help when right. I need to ask for help and where to empower people and where to let, and where to let people, you know, take more risk. And by taking risks, you're building trust through that kind of, uh, through that model. Right. And just to kind of pull on that thread a little bit, sir, it's, it, Again, it comes back to the relationship piece, right? So the fact that uh, that leader, that mentor, that peer sat down with you and you were able to understand where their focus was, um, to get to know them, understand where their um, 
their boundaries were for, for that trust, right? Um, helped you trust them as well. Cause now you showed some vulnerability. They're showing some vulnerability. Here's, here's my lane. Um, here's your lane. And this is how we're merging together to, to make this, this happen. Um, and it really has to do with that communication and that conversation and building that relationship between um, both a peer or a leader at any level. Right. Yeah. And, and as I reflect upon it now, it was out of necessity, right? I don't think he deliberately made that a mentoring moment for me. It was right. like, it was just the reduced time we had together forced him to focus on the things that were really important. Yes. And that for the other things, you know, he gave me space um, to, to build on that. And um, like most things in my career, when I think about how it happened, it kind of feels like it's been by chance, but it's been through osmosis, watching, <laughs> learning and just right. building. And, and when you talk about it's, you know, when you talk about, I trust you, um, you can say, I trust you a thousand times, but like you said, you, you show me one time, you don't trust me. That's in question. Yeah. And, right. and so I think it's important for our leaders to have those discussions when it appears or, or it always got me when somebody tells me you don't trust me, like made me sit back, reflect and think like, okay, is it a trust issue? Is it something else? Right. And then I think it's important for us to sit down and talk to those folks about, I trust you. But here's why I have a concern. Right. And, and get it out of the realm of, of, of the trust or not trust and use it as a moment um, to build them and help them make the decision better, different next time. Right. And none of those conversations are easy. Um, right. Even in the beginning, just uh, the, the first conversation, uh, walking in, uh, sir, ma'am, uh, I'm new here. What do you need from me? And then how do we communicate that? that that's the hard, hard break. Or start right, um, and then as um, things are progressing, as we hit those those lanes in the road, as we hit the bumpers, having the conversation of like, okay, again, I still trust you. Here's a here's an uncomfortable comfortable piece for me, or here's a something I see as a potential uh, wreck coming down the road, and then getting people back into the spot, and then building that that communication uh, between the two individuals. Yeah, and then throughout my career, you know, I've heard people say um, trust by verification. So what does that mean? Like right. everybody does that differently. Does that mean I'm going to double check on, hey, chief, I need you to, I trust you to do this. And then every five minutes, I'm like, get done yet? Get done yet? Can right. I see it? Can I see it? I need that's, to see it. Like that's so, not trust by verification. Um, certainly, I think when you pair that with a risk factor, mm -hmm. then you can talk about, you know, and talk about why you want to verify that before it goes. Right. Um, and then I think the other thing I, I heard a lot growing growing up in this Air Force, too, is um, well, I'm going to trust you until you give me a reason not to trust you. Like, that's not building trust, is it? No, that's that's already a failure statement, right? <laughs> right. I already know you're going to fail. So I'm just going to give you a leeway until you do get it there. It's kind of like that trust but verify. It can be a very tricky uh, a buzz statement, right? I, I'm guilty of saying it before. Uh, before. Um, it's almost kind of um, a trust, but not right. Uh, I think that you still need some verification, but it goes back to how do you really use it and how do you really mean it? Um, trust, but verify can mask micromanagement um, versus, hey, I'm here to, I trust you, understand we're just going to have to, as a part of the team and part of the process, um, have to go over these things. So that's the ver verification process. Um, but then again, it's not about uh, verifying that that trust is still there. It's just as a project, as a mission uh, moves forward, um, we still have to have that that conversation. What's a staff meeting really? But verification that the that trust and that uh, that leadership is doing it. We're just making sure that in that verification process, 
um, we're learning what barriers and opening the communication so that they can ask you for additional support. Yeah, right. So that's so so that's a good kind of flip on that, right? right. So I'm here to talk about what barriers have, how I can help you get past those barriers, right. and through that process of discovery, you find out what's been done, what's not done, what's worked, what's not worked. So right. um, we're able to do that without saying trust by verify. I mean, I trust by verify my, I trust my kids to do their homework in the order and the timing that they need to. But when I get an alert from the school that says the homework's not done, right now I go into verification phase. And sometimes they're validated because the teacher didn't have time to update it or it was wrong or they missed it or whatever. And right. so I use that term with my kids a lot. I've tried to avoid using those terminology as I've gotten older because I, I, I think it sends the wrong message. Agreed. Uh, I definitely kind of going back to some of the other things that you were saying earlier, sir, um, like earlier in my career, right? It was always about, uh, uh, I didn't know these things, right? A new supervisor um, uh, and then a new um, NCOC and a new flight chief. Uh, many moments where uh, I had to learn where some of those uh, negativities and trust uh, eroding uh, behaviors uh, caused me more problems. Uh, and I had to learn how to get around those things, right? Uh, my way wasn't always the, the right way. As a staff sergeant, as a tech sergeant, hey, I'm a SME. I'm, I'm, I know, I'm knowledgeable. I'm, I'm one of the best. They, everybody tells me I'm great. So how could it be wrong? <laughs> uh, and then when it comes to a leadership piece of, you know, well, I'm right. Why are you questioning me versus it being an honest conversation of, hey, have you thought about it this way? Or sure. have you, or this is not what this individual uh, needs, right? So even recent uh, when it came to feedback, there was an individual that uh, came up to me and said, Chief, this is my language that I'm trying to speak, and I'm not getting that from you. So I had to take a step back and think about what does that mean and uh, why I'm, how do I adjust to make sure that that member is still going to be um, viable and I can rebuild the trust in our relationship so that it can be successful. Yeah, I think you got to build the trust you know, individually, and then you build the trust greater into a bigger team, broader team to get to that unit cohesion. And, yes. and overall team's important. And, and so uh, I'll, I'll tell, uh, I tell a great story. So I spent a lot of time coaching kids playing hockey and we we're trying to, you know, at, at 10, 11, 12 kids are finding the individuality. There's wide gaps of performance and abilities at that age. And, and, so I was telling this one kid would just went past the puck, went past the puck. And I said, I use the old adage, there's no I in team. And he turns around, looks at me and goes, but there's an M and an E. And I was like, <laughs> I was, uh, I was flabbergasted. I'm like, uh, okay, keep moving. Like I had to process that. Like right. there is an M and E in team and there has to be because we're going to build individuals. We got to build right. individual people up to have them trust each other, which leads to unit cohesion. And, and ultimately, when we talk about building culture, it's really about chemistry and cohesion. Right. Yeah. And then having the right climate on top of that to, to keep fostering that culture uh, so that it's positive. Right? Yeah. When, when we hear when I don't like the word toxicity and toxic unit and that person's toxic, I think it comes down to uh, most of the time it's trust. Right. And, and they don't feel the units cohesive. They're not inclusive. And all those things we talk about really lead down to trust in order to build build your unit. You need to build trust. And, and that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to build this, this 960 cyberspace wing into a, into a cohesive, war-fighting, um, trustful team. Right. And without that trust, uh, 
when we talk about accelerate change or lose the in the great uh, power competition and and all of the outside pressures upon our success if we don't have that trust we're not going to be successful and and most people thrive in a team environment now maybe some are better in smaller teams some in bigger teams right uh, but i think we need to find that good fit we started out the conversation talking about yes. individual <laughs> skills and abilities and and I think that's the foundation to build trust is in build that individual person up, get them, put them in the right opportunity to be successful. Right. And then um, a byproduct of having the right people with the right skills and the right attitudes. I think trust just kind of comes out of that, that process as a natural byproduct. Yes, sir. And then also going back to the individual there uh, is finding the right fit for them too. Right. So sometimes individuals just fit better in other teams. Um, and, uh, providing that feedback, explaining it to them, and then providing them that opportunity to find the team that fits for them. Yeah, and, and don't quit on somebody, right? Right. And because there, there's a fit for everybody. And um, and so I'll, I'll leave us with this story um, that I find really, uh, that I lean on all the time. And so the 1980 Olympic hockey team, take it back to hockey, right? There you go, yeah. Uh, the ultimate team game, mm-hmm. you know, in my mind, the ultimate team, and so they were a bunch of college kids, 18, 19, 20 year old kids. Um, and when you look, um, you know, they're, they're in their fifties and sixties now, but when you look at where they're ended up in their professional hockey career, there was really only one guy in that team that, that ended up having a really kind of super, super successful, um, hockey career. Most of them spent a couple of years and then found other things. Um, so they had to lean on each other individually to be a, a extremely, you know, every team was more talented than they're faster, bigger, stronger, but they found a way to succeed as a group of people. Um, and I think the leader of the team, uh, Herbie Brooks was the last guy cut from the 1960 Olympic team that won gold medal mm-hmm. at Squaw Valley. So he took that personally and mm-hmm. built that 1980 team to be the team that he wanted to be on. Gotcha. So, um, no, that's a great story. Uh, I've seen the movie, I've read some books, I've, I've seen some of the documentaries and you're right. It, it does solidify that um, that talent um, was only uh, capable because of that teamwork, right? Um, that level of talent came together because of the individual pieces that were there. Um, the individual sacrifice of each one of those players um, and the ability to trusted in their teammates, set their team up, teammates up for success. Um, there was no one trying to be a superstar amongst them. It was strictly all of us together. You know, if we're not together, then we're going to fail. Yeah, big jigsaw puzzle to put together, get the right pieces in place. And that comes from, you know, when we're selecting hiring people, we're looking for not only technical skills and abilities, but we're looking for the right fit and the right attitude and somebody yes. that's willing to learn, change, and, and continue to build this culture that we're trying to do here at the wing. Agree, sir. Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, it's always fun. Appreciate it. And I look forward to the next time we speak. Yes, sir. Uh, I think that uh, probably puts us a good stopping point for our, our next podcast. So um, with that, I'd like to tell everybody thank you. How about you, sir? Yeah, thanks to everybody again. Uh, we can't say thank you enough uh, for what you do. And this is um, you know, certainly we're all volunteers here. And so we appreciate everybody being part of the team. You're all important and to build this bigger thing. And we know we got a lot of things to work on. We continue to work on them. We try to share, um, share what we share, what we're doing and what we've learned through a no, number of different methods. And this is just, this is just one of those. So 
very soon we're we're going to be very excited to talk about we have a couple special really special guests lined up um coming up here in the near future so um more to follow on that thanks everybody 